Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time for Sorallo Sports Talk with Joe Sorallo. Here we go, Sorallo Sports Talk live from the Los Angeles Convention Center ahead of Super Bowl 56. It is day four. I can't wait for this episode. Hall of Famer Warren Moon is all set to join the show alongside former All-Pro punter Marquette King, the former Raider, will be joining the show as well. And by the way, guys, this is episode 56. That's right, episode 56 of Sorallo Sports Talk ahead of Super Bowl 56. And you all know that on tomorrow's show, as per my tradition, every year, each of the past four years, I will be giving out my pick both against the spread and straight up for Super Bowl 56. But for now, I will say this much about this weekend's contest between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams. This is going to be a much different ball game from Super Bowl 53 between the Rams and the Patriots. That was, in the eyes of many, one of the most boring Super Bowls we've ever seen. But in my eyes, it was a great game. It was a defensive battle. Even though the Rams have an incredible defense, and I've said it so far every show this week that the Rams have at least three Hall of Famers on each side of the ball, this is not going to be a defensive game, in my opinion. I think that there are going to be offensive fireworks. Everything in that last Super Bowl the Rams were in under McVay, Super Bowl 53, pointed towards defense, right? You had the Patriots with one of the best defenses in the league. You had the Rams with an incredible defense, but that Rams team didn't have the offense that this one has. That Rams team was led by Jared Goff. Don't forget, Jared Goff relied heavily on the run game. Todd Gurley was injured by the time Super Bowl 53 rolled around. The Rams had no offensive rhythm. They couldn't get into a rhythm, into a groove in their passing game without the run game, without play action, and that's why they ultimately scored three points in that game. The same team that scored 50 on Kansas City in a Monday night thriller in the game of the year earlier that season had nothing by the time Super Bowl 53 rolled around This Rams team has the most offense that any Rams team has had since the greatest show on turf, since they won the Super Bowl back in 99. I mean, think about that team, right? Kurt Warner, the All-American underdog at quarterback, with Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt. Bruce already in the Hall of Fame. Holt may be on his way, may be getting the call tonight. By the time this episode releases, the NFL Awards and Honors show should be kicking off. So Torrey Holt could be getting the call tonight, and he would complete the five offensive Hall of Famers that Rams team had. Orlando Pace at left tackle, Warner at quarterback, Bruce at wideout, and Marshall Falk, the running back on that team. This is the best, most dynamic offense that the Rams have had since that Super Bowl team, since the greatest show on turf. And don't forget the Cincinnati Bengals, right? I mean, I know that the Cincinnati Bengals have one of the worst offensive lines in football, the second worst offensive line in football this season. But look at those skill players. Look at the position players they have out there. Joe Mixon does not get enough credit on this offense because they're so deep at wide receiver, so talented at wide out. Jamar Chase, fifth overall pick in the draft. Him and Joe Burrow have picked up exactly where they left off in Baton Rouge at LSU. But then look at T. Higgins. Look at Tyler Boyd. C.J. Uzoma has vowed that he's not only going to play in Super Bowl 56 after leaving that AFC Conference Championship game with an injury, but he has also vowed that If, not if, 
when the Bengals win, he said, he's going to bathe in Cincinnati skyline chili. I mean, this Bengals team at these skill positions is just so deep. And Joe Mixon might be the most important one of them all come this weekend. Because to beat the Rams, to beat this high-powered offense, to beat this elite defense, you're going to have to take control of the game. How do you control the game? You control the clock. How do you do that? You run the ball. And so even though for Cincinnati, their strength, of course, is to throw the ball. You've got a top overall draft pick at quarterback in Joe Burrow. You've got Jamar Chase and all those other names I just mentioned. Joe Mixon might be the second most important guy on this offense behind only Joe Burrow because Cincinnati is going to have to control the clock. They're going to have to keep that defense off the field as much as possible so that when they are out there, they're fresh and they're going to have to block up front. Now, luckily for the Bengals, their run blocking has been significantly better this season than their pass blocking. So running the ball is going to play a far bigger role in this game than I think one would expect between these two elite, high-octane offenses. Now, when Cincinnati does throw the ball, and I'm going to get into this a little more in my final word when I reveal not my best bet, but some of my favorite prop bets for this game, Jamar Chase might not be the one who wins this for the Bengals in the passing game. And maybe not wins this, but who breaks things open, who makes that big play. I think you're going to have to look out for T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd in this one. Look, Jamar Chase is going to be good for his big play, right? And I'll give you a prop right now. If you want to hit Jamar Chase for over 26.5, 27.5, the yardage on his longest reception, that's a good bet because Jamar Chase is that big play guy. He's going to bust at least one big one open. But... He's probably going to have Jalen Ramsey on him for about two-thirds to three-quarters of the snaps he's out there for. And when that's the case, you're going to have to look elsewhere. Look, Chase can burn Ramsey, and he will once or twice. But for the majority of this game, when Ramsey is lined up on Chase, the physicality is going to be too much at the line of scrimmage. That's why Cincinnati having those alternative weapons is so important. Higgins is going to play a big role. I think Tyler Boyd has potential in this one to be the unsung hero of the game. You look at Tampa Bay last year in their Super Bowl win against Kansas City, their Super Bowl demolition against the Chiefs. I know he is a Hall of Fame caliber wide receiver, but Antonio Brown is the third option, or at least was until he quit mid-game, was the third option on that Buccaneers team. Out of all the wide receivers who had the best game in the Super Bowl, it was Antonio Brown. And I think Tyler Boyd can do the same thing. He's not the number one wideout on this team. He's not the number two wideout on this team. But because of that, because he's not going to have Jalen Ramsey on him, because he probably won't have Darius Williams on him for most snaps, I think he can play a huge part in this one for Cincinnati. If there is one little weakness on the Rams defense, it is at the safety position. Look, as great as he's played this postseason, it's the reason they brought Eric Weddle out of a two-year retirement to play football in the playoffs. It's because they are beat up, bruised, and battered at safety, and they needed help. That's where slot wideouts can do the most damage, when they have a favorable matchup against the opponent's safeties. And I think Tyler Boyd is going to play a big piece in a Cincinnati win if the Bengals are able to come out on top in this one. Now, flip it, right? Look at the LA Rams, who have a receiving core that is just as good as Cincinnati. Probably a little better in terms of star power, but arguably not as deep. I mean, they've got their big three. Cooper Cup, who has been the best wide receiver in football this year, bar none. Odell Beckham Jr., 
who is as talented when he's on as any wide receiver in football, bar none. And then Van Jefferson, who has emerged as an incredible third option, was doing great when Robert Woods was the number two, then Woods goes down, Jefferson struggles a bit, Odell comes back, Jefferson goes back to the three wide receiver role, and he's back out there tearing things up. Another great deep ball threat for this Rams team. I think Cincinnati, top to bottom, is a little stronger in the secondary than L.A. I know the Rams have Jalen Ramsey, best cornerback on the field at all times, but past Ramsey, I think that the Bengals having Mike Hilton, Eli Apple, at safety, Jesse Bates, one of the best safeties in the game, guaranteed to get a bag in free agency this offseason, that's going to help them. Because if this comes down to being a one-possession game and Matthew Stafford makes the fourth-quarter mistake, now I love Matthew Stafford, he's a future Hall of Famer, But if he makes the fourth quarter mistake he's prone to making, the one he made against San Francisco that should have been an interception but got dropped, it's not going to get past Cincinnati. The Bengals are not dropping that interception in the fourth quarter like the 49ers did. And ultimately, at the end of the day, having guys like Hilton, Apple, who picked off Patrick Mahomes in that conference championship game, and Jesse Bates back there is going to help Cincinnati at some point or another in this one limit the incredible wideouts of the L.A. Rams. When we get back, Hall of Fame quarterback, my favorite guest, Warren Moon, is joining the show. Stick with me, Joe Sorallo, right here on Sorallo Sports Talk. We'll be right back. We're back here on Sorallo Sports Talk, and joining the show on this day four at Radio Row in the Los Angeles Convention Center, it is Pro Football Hall of Famer, the legendary trailblazer, Warren Moon. Warren, thanks so much for joining the show. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Good to see you, finally. Great to finally meet you. Last last time it was virtual, Yeah, but we're both here together today. That's great. And, And it's an honor and a pleasure to meet you, Warren. I have to ask you, though, about something you said recently that I disagree with. You think that the Tennessee Titans, of course, formerly your Houston Oilers, yep. can win a Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill at the quarterback position. Why is that? I just think uh, the way Ryan played, say, the previous years to, to this year, uh, he played at a very high level. He's one of the better quarterbacks in the league, and uh, he had a lot of things going on and, and a lot of continuity going on at that time. I think because of this year, you know, he lost his play caller that went to, to Atlanta, the head coach. Um, he also lost... Uh, Henry uh, during the, during the season, his receivers ran out of the lineup, so there was just a lot of inconsistency to uh, the players that he was around and his play caller to go along with the fact that uh, you know they had those injuries. So I, th- I think he just needs to get back on track, get everybody back healthy again, where he can just be able to play his game and know exactly what his role is. Where this year was kind of undefined because of all the things that were happening, and he had to play with a lot of different combinations quarterback needs that consistency sometime and I think Ryan needs it as much as anybody but if he has that he's shown that he can play the game at a very very high level yeah he did overcome a lot I mean to get the one seed with Derrick Henry out half the season Julio in and out seemingly every other week it was an impressive year what about that head coach what makes Mike Vrabel so special down in Tennessee I think he's probably one of the smarter players Uh, first of all he was a smart player when he played the game and he's a very very smart coach uh, the fact that he did play is, is very important because his players can relate to that. They know this is a guy that's been in the trenches. Uh, he's won championships, <clears throat> so they have confidence in him. And uh, he does he's a no-nonsense guy, but he's also a player's coach. So there's, there's a great combination there that the players know we're going to have to get our work done, but we also know we have a coach that's going to take care of us. Now, when the Titans played the Cincinnati Bengals, who of course are here in Super Bowl 56 this Sunday, 
They sacked Joe Burrow nine times. No quarterback had ever been sacked that many times and won a playoff game. Warren, can you put that into perspective? How difficult is it to win a game when your pocket is collapsing every single play? Yeah, it is difficult, but I think he was able to come back on third down and still get first downs out of those drives some of the time. And the most important thing is he did get sacked nine times but never turned the ball over. And that's key, where the Titans turned it over three times. Yeah. So turnovers in playoff games are, are huge because they're, they're field position changes, they're momentum changes. They didn't have anything like that. They had some sacks, yes, but they didn't turn the ball over ever and give give Tennessee a short field. They didn't give them that momentum build. So um, even though he was sacked nine times, taking care of the football is going to be the key in any game, especially in this Super Bowl. Now, when people talk about Joe Burrow, obviously the second-year phenom out of LSU, everyone says it goes back to one thing. He has that it factor. Warren, what is that it factor in Joe Burrow in your eyes? It's a lot of different things for different quarterbacks, but I think for Joe, it's just his confidence, his poise, uh, his accuracy that he throws the football with. But I, I think it's more of a, um, an aura that he has around his football team that they have a feeling that they just can't lose with him as their quarterback, and they've shown it week after week after week. And this is a young football team. Cincinnati has a very young team, so they don't, they're not even smart enough to know what they shouldn't know at this time. They're just going through this. Most of those guys have never been to the playoffs before. So they're going through this process and winning games, falling behind and winning games, and they feel like maybe this is the way it's supposed to go for them, and maybe they're, te they're a team of destiny. So Joe has a lot to do with that, by the way. He's been able to battle back in some of those situations, like you said, nine times, but still win the football game, bring them from behind 21-3 to against Kansas City on the road, all these games being on the road. This is a mentally tough team right now that is, is really uh, battle-tested, and if they fall behind in this in this Super Bowl, they'll feel like they still can win the game, and that's a great feeling to have of confidence in a team that's that young. Yeah, how helpful is that youth? Because you look at the Rams, right? And this is a team that everyone says, oh, well, advantage Rams. I mean, right. not only is the game in their home stadium, but they were there four years ago. They've got veterans, six, maybe seven Hall of Famers on this team. But Cincinnati, they've got reckless abandon. How helpful is that? Well, they're playing with house money. They, yeah. they can just go out there free-flowing. Nobody thinks we're going to win. I mean, that's going to be their mentality. They're going to have that chip on their shoulders going into the game. And that's another strong thing to play with. And, again, if they fall behind early because the Rams might come out and, you know, fireworks all over the place, they still feel like they can win the football game. So that's a great feeling to have when you're in a championship game because everybody at this point in the season is either talented because you wouldn't be here if you didn't have talent, you're all beat up because you've gone through a 20-21 game season now. But who's mentally tougher at this time of the year? And I think right now Cincinnati is mentally tough. And, that, and that's a, a big ingredient going into a big-time game this year, last game of the season. You can let it all hang out. There's no next week. You don't have to worry about saving yourself for next week, anything like that. Just go out there and have fun and play. So, Warren, if you look at Joe Burrow, he's one of just a handful of incredible MVP-caliber quarterbacks, specifically playing in the AFC right now. Yeah. How difficult is this conference when you've got possibly five, six future Hall of Famers at the quarterback position all at once? Yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be very competitive. There's no question about it. Uh, it reminds me a lot of when I was in the AFC, uh, when I had John Elway there, there was Dan Marino, there was Jim Kelly. I mean, all these guys were in there at the same time as myself, so... You battle it out, and, and hopefully your team is good enough to represent uh, your conference in the, in the Super Bowl, and it's going to be that way for Joe 
for the probably the course of his career unless one of those guys get traded somewhere else, which I don't see happening. So it's going to be some great battles over the over the next ten years or so with these young guys playing quarterback. And you know what's amazing is you just mentioned three quarterbacks, of course, four including yourself. Only one of them has a Super Bowl ring. Yeah. Only John Elway out of mm -hmm. the quarterbacks you just mentioned. It really puts into perspective just how difficult is it, Warren, to get to this game. Right, because on the other side you had Joe Montana. Yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that's who was winning, and, and Troy Aikman on the other side. So those two guys were winning those Super Bowls and also Steve Young in the NFC side. And the NFC kind of dominated during those years. Now, Warren, before we get to your game pick, tonight is the NFL Honors NFL Awards yeah. Ceremony. In addition to being a Hall of Famer, you also have a Walter Payton Man of the Year Award under yeah. your belt. How does that compare to all of your other trophies, awards, and accolades? I think it's um, I think it's the one I cherish the most because of what it stands for. It stands for not only you how good you were as a player, but it also stands for the the commitment you made to your community off the field, and you used your platform in, in a positive way to help other people, to help make change, things like that. So uh, I love the fact that I'm one of those. Uh, um, Walter Payton Award winners. I think every player that that uh, has won that award would probably say the same thing. It's one of the highest honors that they have on their trophy case. No question about it. It shows you were just as good off the field as you were on it. Before we wrap it up, Warren, what's your game pick? Super Bowl 56 this weekend, Cincinnati, L.A., who do you like? Yeah, we talked a lot of Cincinnati, but I still think the Rams are a little bit better team on paper. I think it's going to be a close game. Wouldn't be surprised me if Cincinnati makes a, a a ballot comeback at the end, but I think the Rams have just a little bit more star power and they're going to have a tough time trying to handle that pass rush. Warren's going talent over toughness. Yeah. Pro Football Hall of Famer Warren Moon, thanks so much for joining the show. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. We'll be right back here on Serralo Sports Talk. We're back here on Serralo Sports Talk and closing out day four on Radio Row at the Los Angeles Convention Center. He was one of the best punters in the game for about seven years. It's former Raider Marquette King. Man, thanks so much for joining the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. Awesome to have you on. So, Marquette, you're one of the most dominant punters in football for almost a decade, but you're not really working in football anymore. What's with this new career in music you're working Man, towards? I'm, I'm just doing my thing with music. I, I've always had a love for music, and uh, it's, it's definitely working out. I'm doing a huge project right now. One of my friends, Blue Hamilton out in Atlanta, and um, – it's going real well, but I'm still I'm still working on the football aspect too. You still working on a comeback because you know there's a lot of shitty kickers in the game right now, <laughs> and and we could use a guy with a boot like yours out there. I mean, how many 70 plus yard punts did you have in your career? Like, man, come on, probably a couple. Yeah, probably multiple, couple. multiple, man. So, <laughs> how realistic is it that you'll be back in the league next season? Man, I don't I honestly don't know because I thought I was going to be back in the league in 2019, <laughs> 2020. It's just you just never know. But it, the only thing I can really focus on is just staying prepared. Mm -hmm. So how do you do that when it's been three years since you last punted a ball for an NFL team? It's like riding a bike. So you just pick up the bike, start pedaling, and it just works out. It's, what I've been doing is just been kicking. Um, and I've, I've still practiced and stayed at my highest as far as, like, skill-wise. So I'm still on point. All right, all right. So, look, my man, you went to college as a wide receiver. Mm -hmm. What was that transition like when your coach said, hey, man, if you don't start punting, you're going to lose your scholarship? It was aggravating because I – I wanted to play receiver. It was fun. It's more fun than just kicking a ball. But then I found that kicking a ball became very, like very therapeutic. So, and you made it entertaining, and and that's what football doesn't really have. I mean, you know, we had you, we had Pat McAfee, of course, but there aren't too many entertaining punters or kickers out there. So, well, how I was, I was still a receiver at heart, though. 
Still at heart. So is that why? Like I was gonna say, like yeah. how did it? How did you make punting so much fun? I don't. I was just being myself. Yeah. I was just being myself, which I think a lot of people should focus on is just being themselves and just adapting to their environments, and it'll make life a lot better for a lot of people. Do you think being yourself? I know fans loved you. I loved watching you. Do you think being yourself hurt your NFL career ultimately when free agency hit? I mean, I'm sure it had a. It definitely had an effect, but. I mean, that's the world that I chose to play in. And um, I don't know, some people some people can deal with it, some people can't. And it's not meant for everybody in the world to like you. Or, you know, so you just got to keep doing what you do um, and adjust. So I got to ask you about something. You know, right now we've talked in recent years about black quarterbacks. And now we've reached a point in the NFL where there are a ton of excellent black quarterbacks leading the way. Mm-hmm. But right now, black head coaches are struggling to get jobs. Why don't you see any black kickers and punters? It's, I, don't, I don't know. I've always wanted that, too. I actually asked a question on social media. I set up a poll, but I don't know. It's always been a phase. It's, it was a phase at one point with quarterbacks, and uh, I think every position went through that phase. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the last one of the last phases is kickers and punters because you really don't see a lot of, a lot of black punters and kickers. And uh, one of my best friends, Greg Coleman, the first black punter to play in, in a game, and um, – so we've had a lot of talks about it, trying to understand how come, how can we get more people of other ethnicities, not just black, but people of other ethnicities to get a fair shot. Yeah. Because it's a lot of good people that are um, of other ethnicities. You got Vedvik, you got uh, Corey Carter. Um, I mean, you get, you're Corliss getting these, you these South American kickers and punters, yeah. and then you've got Young Wei Koo in Atlanta. Yeah, exactly. So just got to get more. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. man. So when you talk about more diversity and more fair shots, let's talk about the head coaching uh, cycle right now because there were just mm-hmm. nine vacancies and only one was filled by a 100% black head coach in Lovey Smith. Miami hired Mike McDaniels, who's mm-hmm. mixed race. But there's a problem right now. There mm-hmm. are two fully black head coaches in a league of 32 teams. There were eight 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Why do you think the NFL right now is struggling to hire so many black head coaches? I have no idea. There's, there's qualified guys. I mean, it's definitely qualified guys, but I, I don't understand their I don't understand what the process is or what their grading scale is as far as who they choose to pick up. But I don't know. I hope it gets better because I feel like if you have the resume and the background behind doing it, you should get a fair shot. Now, as an NFL player, almost seventy percent of the players in the NFL are black. Mm-hmm. How much of a difference does it make to play for a guy who looks like you, who can relate to you, as opposed to you know, a 60, 70-year-old white guy who, when he played football, it was run more like the military. I think as long as, long as you got trust in that mm-hmm. coach, it don't, it don't even matter who it is, but as long as you trust the coach and you've built a relationship with the coach, you'll run through a brick wall regardless. Now, if the, if the coach is not showing respect or being disrespectful to other players, then that's a whole different story. But I've had some pretty good coaches, and I've had coaches that I just didn't like. And no matter what they look like, it's just – from respect and the heart that they have. What do you make of the current state of the Raiders right now? They just, I mean, made the playoffs. Derek Carr got to play in his first playoff game. Yeah. But then interim coach Rich no, Bisaccia. Second, second well, playoff. he was injured the last time. Matt McGloin oh, got the start. That's right. I forgot about <laughs> that. Come on, man. You were on that Look team. That. That's a while ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, Rich Bisaccia did an incredible job. It was a shit show out there in Vegas. And mm. when Gruden got fired, Bisaccia turned things around. They don't retain him. They hire McDaniels. How would you feel about that? I mean, yeah, I don't even really pay attention. Ain't gonna lie. I mean, if I, I mean, I don't really watch much, too much football. But if it's on where I'm at, I see it. Really? Now, why is that? 
a, a guy who had so much success in the league. You were I one know. of the best punters in the game. You were an all-pro. Why, why are you man. so far away from the game? I just, I've never really been a huge fan of sports that much. But huh. And plus, I'm kind of scarred. I ain't going to lie. I'm kind of scarred. So, I mean, if you don't know the situation that I kind of went through, I felt like got me to the point where I just don't really pay attention. But when it's on in a bar, I'm watching it. All right. All right. So what, what should we be on the lookout next, Marquette, when it comes to your music? All right. What we got going on next? We got a couple of shows. Um, we got some more singles. I got a little two-song EP drop in in a month. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to just be probably in a state near you. So get your swim clothes. Get your swim clothes. <laughs> Let's get rid of the party. I love it. I love it. Hey, before we let you go, I know you said you're not watching too much football anymore. <laughs> Do you have a pick for this weekend, Rams, Bengals? I mean, the Rams got a super team. I mean, I I keep up, like, just because I hear other people talking around me because they watch sports. But, I mean, you got Von Miller, you got Aaron Donald. OBJ like, You know there. what I'm saying? That's a yeah. super team. Might as well put LeBron out there, too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the way the Lakers are going, it wouldn't shock yeah. me if he suited up for the Rams. I know. Shit's I know. bad right now for the Lakers. I know. Former all-pro punter Marquette King, my man, thank you so much for joining the show. Yep. We'll be back here on Sorallo Sports Talk with my final word. All right, it is time for my final word here on this episode of Sorallo Sports Talk, closing out day four ahead of Super Bowl 56. Just one more show left between now and the big game. What a great spot there by Marquette King, the former All-Pro punter. And, per usual, my man Warren Moon, the Hall of Fame quarterback, always delivers. I still don't think Ryan Tannehill is going to bring a Super Bowl to Nashville anytime soon, but... uh. Hey, you know what? I'll let Warren have some faith in his former franchise. For this final word, we're going to switch things up a little bit. Yesterday, I gave you my picks for the Hall of Fame. Of course, that'll be announced at the NFL Honors and Awards Ceremony tonight. Kicking off just as this episode has been released at 8 p.m. Eastern on this Thursday, February 10th. You know my Hall of Fame picks. The five are out. Tony Baselli, Reggie Wayne, Andre Johnson, Demarcus Ware, and Jared Allen. Those are the five men I believe should be enshrined in Canton come this August. But in this final word, I'm going to give you, as promised, my favorite prop bets for this Sunday's Super Bowl. We're starting off with two quarterback props here. Matthew Stafford and Joe Burrow, each of them over their posted total on Rushing yards, not passing yards. Matthew Stafford over five and a half rushing yards. Joe Burrow over 11 and a half rushing yards. Look, I think that Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals offense are going to hang in there and hold their own against the Rams defense. But the fact of the matter is, at some point or another, that Rams ferocious front seven is going to be in the backfield and Joe Burrow is going to be running for his life at some point in this game. 11 and a half rushing yards is not a lot to ask for. I think his number on that all season has been lower than it should be because he's coming back from that torn ACL, but it's been over a year since that injury took place, and we saw Burrow's mobility in full effect in the AFC Conference Championship game against Kansas City, over 11.5 on him, and over 5.5 on Stafford, right? The Bengals' defense, the Bengals' pass rush doesn't get the credit that it deserves because they're going up against the Rams, the best pass rush in football. But Trey Hendrickson had a hell of a conference championship game. B.J. Hill, the former Giant, is great inside. And the Bengals will be putting pressure on Stafford. He's got kind of a makeshift offensive line between the tackles. Andrew Whitworth, who might be a future Hall of Famer, great career. He's playing in his last game. He's a 40-year-old left tackle. The Bengals are going to beat him on some plays, and Stafford will be forced to move out of the pocket and run a little bit. All it takes is one six-yard scramble to the sideline. Matthew Stafford gives you an over. Take both quarterbacks over their posted totals 
on rushing yards. Now let's get into some other props. I'm playing the safety prop. I am playing the safety prop because we have not had a safety in a Super Bowl for eight years. You heard Trey Wingo say it yesterday. It's the longest drought without a safety in Super Bowl history. That's got to give sooner or later. And with a prop like that, you're going to get tremendous odds. I wouldn't put the house on it, put the mortgage on it, but sprinkle a little something on a safety here in Super Bowl 56. Special teams, you're not going to get the most favorable odds, but Evan McPherson, over one and a half made field goals, cashing in somewhere around minus 130. That is a mortal lock. The guy has a leg of gold and bigger balls than the ones they're playing with on the field. And to close out, I'm giving two wide receiver props out, starting with Tyler Boyd. Over the posted total on Tyler Boyd's receiving yards, I got it at 39 and a half earlier in the week. Oh, hold on. Gab Goody. Gab. While I'm giving out prop bets, I'm getting Gab Goody from FanDuel on here with me. What's up, Gab? Huge fan. Love your Twitter feed. Here? Yeah, take a seat. Come on, sit down. We're recording my final word on this episode. Yeah, I'm here. What's up? You're the biggest name I've had on today, and I had oh Warren God. Moon on the show, so it's Stop a pleasure it. to have you Stop on. It. I'm giving out prop bets for my final word here on this episode, and so far I've hit both quarterbacks over their posted total on rushing yards. Okay. What props do you love this weekend? Odell Beckham, anytime touchdown. Anytime touchdown, Odell? Yeah. Over five and a half at plus 120 receptions. What do you think? Over. Over? I love it. Over everything for Odell. When in doubt, hammer, hammer the Odell. over. <laughs> I love it. Gab, thanks so much for yeah, hopping for on. Sure. I appreciate Thank the you. time. Well, that was going to be my final prop that I was handing out. Odell, over five and a half receptions at plus 120, but you got it from Gab Goody herself. So just to summarize, my best prop bets for Super Bowl 56, Joe Burrow, over 11 and a half rushing yards. Matthew Stafford, over five and a half rushing yards. Sprinkle a little something on a safety in this game. And then for the wideouts, Tyler Boyd over 39 and a half and Odell over five and a half receptions. Gab says throw in Odell anytime touchdown score. And I will add this final one. I wouldn't bet it by itself, but Cooper Cup as an anytime touchdown score. That's ranging between minus 180 and minus 200, depending on the book. There's only been one game this season where the man has not scored a touchdown. So parlay that. If you can do a same game parlay, Work a Cooper Cup anytime touchdown into that parlay. It'll boost your odds, and it is a lock. And just like that, this episode of Serralo Sports Talk, episode 56, ahead of Super Bowl 56 on day four from the LA Convention Center, is up. It's over. It's out of here. One more show. I guarantee you it's going to be a big one tomorrow, the final show before the Super Bowl. Make sure... You share this one, share it on Instagram, from Spotify, from Apple, wherever you took it in, put it out on your socials, and I will deliver the best show of the week tomorrow. It's going to be hard to top it, but we will. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Serralo Sports Talk. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.